Join us for this episode of Nature Centered, a podcast from Wild Birds Unlimited about feeding the birds and enjoying nature right in your own backyard. Here are your hosts, naturalist John Schaust and Brian Cunningham. Hey everybody, I'm John Schaust. And I am Brian Cunningham. And welcome to episode number 55, a note about birdsong. Or I guess you could say some notes about birdsong. Hey, Brian. (laughs) Sing it, John. Sing it. (laughs) It's going to be one of those shows. It's going to be one of those shows. Stay tuned. Yeah. Hey, talking a little bit about bird dads. You know, it's June, Father's Day. Uh, And let's talk a little bit about birdsong, but also, you know, how do human sounds, maybe even noise pollution, affect birdsong? How do birds learn their song? Um, and have you ever tried to play a bird call to try to get a bird to come in? And does it work? We'll talk about that and whether it hey. works or not. Hey, bird. Hey, bird. Come here. Hey, bird. <laughs> it, it's not working, Brian. It's not working for you? <laughs> Okay, Brian, what's happening? Man, it's been seeing, again, seems like we haven't really chit-chatted for quite a while. So uh, spring has sprung and all kinds of things are happening in my yard. How about yours? Oh, it's, yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Lots going on. All the flowers just going crazy. The hummingbirds are hitting the flowers. They're hitting the hummingbird feeders. I love it. My daughter is home. Youngest is home from college and Anyone in the house, anytime a hummingbird shows up, you hear someone yell, hummingbird! <laughs> yeah, yeah. And even the cat gets involved sometimes <laughs> doing <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, different you know. purpose, though. Different yeah, reason. Well, you know. <laughs> he, too, is announcing the hummingbird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'll tell you what, I'm loving watching mom and dad bluebird taking yeah. care of youngsters right now. Now that they haven't uh, quite fledged the nest but uh, they're really, oh. really close. Really close. Yeah. No, that's why I was, if I was going to use one word, I'd say my backyard's now a nursery. <laughs> uh, I, I, it's, it's all these young birds starting to run around. And again, yeah. my, my bluebirds, I've got two youngsters following mom and dad around, and they've been doing it for about a week now. Uh, and constantly in my backyard coming to mealworms and different things that I've got out for them. So that's been the highlight without question. Uh, the starlings just showed up and we have a nesting pair of starlings somewhere in the neighborhood and they just showed up with their youngsters yesterday yeah, and then you sound the other, hesitant about that yeah <laughs> they're noisy and yeah they you know they're fine but they each have a house and home and you know outcompete some of our other birds but uh you know the other thing is that i really love seeing this time of year and, and you know our house finch they're chasing mom and dad around too oh yeah and yeah it's just that constant feed me feed me type thing and but, do they you have know, the little want, horns? Those yeah, exactly. I was just going there. Horn devils. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, folks. Sometimes because of the way the feathers, when the youngster is growing in the, uh, uh, their their uh, feathers on their head, it causes a couple of the feathers to kind of stick up like horns. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a little devil bird, you know. It's like, <laughs> and they're running and, around yelling, "Feed me! Feed me! Yeah, feed me!" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So uh, that's very cool. It's something you don't see all the time, but in the last couple of years, I've been able to have a couple of birds in my backyard, juveniles, that have those uh, feather 
horns, if you will. It'll mm-hmm. last for maybe a week or so, but it's kind of neat to see. So, yeah, very exciting time in the backyard. The other the other thing is uh, our Orioles. I've got at least two pairs of Orioles nice. coming to my feeders. And you always know you've got it, and you're going to have them for the summer because the female, you know, stitches that beautiful the, the hanging the basket that they make. Yeah. And, and thousands of stitches of, of grass, you know, different types of plant fiber. Yep. And you always know you got them because they'll, you'll see them flying to the <laughs> like they went out and got some plant fiber and thought, you know, I'll go by the feeder to get a snack before I go back and weave this in. <laughs> right. And then they dry, you know, you, slowly, you see them flying with this big long piece of uh, plant fiber in their mouth. And sometimes they'll drop it and it'll be on the feeder itself and that type of thing. So seeing a lot of that type of activity right now, too. Oh, that's so cool. Well, yeah. I was very sad that this year the, the Orioles, the Scarlet Tanagers, the Summer Tanagers, for the most part, skipped us during migration. And, uh, and I just don't hear any Orioles chattering around oh, man. In, the, in the neighborhood right now. So I'm yeah. like, ah, we, we don't have them nesting around us this year. So a little oh, sad man. about that. My wife was so looking forward to seeing them and the Tanagers. And yeah. that didn't happen. But I got really yeah, I... excited about uh, a non-feather critter. Um, you know, we talk about my little creek. I finally have green frogs. <laughs> <laughs> little green frogs in my creek. Uh, Woo-hoo! Uh-huh. Build the habitat. Doink, they doink, will come. Doink, doink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the banjo bur- or, uh, banjo frog. Banjo you know. frog. <laughs> well, I think I told you the other day, too. I was uh, I was on a little trip with some of my buddies doing some birding, and, and my wife, while I was gone, uh, sent me a picture that she was uh, looking out our sliding glass doors that lead out to our deck, and mm-hmm. a mink, a mink came oh, walking yeah. across the deck. And she was lucky enough with her phone being right there to be able to snap it's not a great picture but it's definitely one that you can tell it was a mink so yeah that that's of course again they're typically a wetland you know river stream lake habitat and of course mm-hmm. i've got all three of those right around me so it's not something you know we do see mink on a you know pretty regular basis along the creeks uh but not up in the yard <laughs> it's the first <laughs> time we've had one at the back door <laughs> that's kind of wild so anyway see knocking looking for food you feed the birds, so... Yeah. Well, and it eventually <laughs> went under our deck, so it's like, hmm, who's living mm. under our deck, you know? And, yeah, so anyway, very cool. A lot of, a lot of, this is a great time of the year. Lots of great things going on, but let's, uh, let's transition and come back and talk a little bit about bird dads and bird song. Yeah. As you mentioned, Brian, it is the time of the year for Father's and Father's Day. And mm-hmm. so we just thought we'd spend a few seconds talking a little bit about Father's. And and uh, how's that got to do anything with birdsong? Well, oh, it's, yeah. yeah, fathers play a very important role in helping their offspring uh, learn birdsong. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Definitely. You know, and when I talk a little bit about it, beyond birdsong, bird dads and celebrating bird dads i know we talked about back in episode 29 award-winning bird dads (laughs) (laughs) you can go back and listen to that i mean listen who was the father of the year award for bird dads i I know john you'll love the woodpeckers and that downy woodpecker man what, what they do as bird dads is just phenomenal all the all the help they give mom they even sleep with the Sleep with the nestlings in the cavity yeah. every night. I mean, they'll let even mom incubate, have a break. Yeah, they'll, flat, they'll incubate and yeah, all kinds of stuff. So yeah, very cool. Yep. 
you know, you look at, I, I always think to amazing bird dads. Yeah. Morning doves don't get a whole lot of love from, from us, right? <laughs> no. And they really are an amazing bird when you think about it. You know, oh yeah. Six nests up to, up to six nests per season. That's, that's just the mm-hmm. record right there. No other bird comes even close to that. Have a couple of uh, youngsters per nest and, you know, dad helps with every aspect and including the feeding and, and, uh, you know, raising the young, so that's a that's a that's a big role for the morning dove father to to step into and play. Yeah, and he's kind of critical that you know if something happens to dad or if something happens to mom, then yeah. those babies probably are not going to make it because yeah. they need both parents working together. So yeah. it's a great partnership that they do. Yeah, yeah. So lots and lots of neat things in the in the world of birds, and and uh, you know, one of the, I know one of the favorites of yours. I, you, Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I know you and I, I think I was probably with you the first time you got your, maybe both pygmy and brown headed nuthatches. I th- I remember we were in, uh, I think it was what Charleston or no? Uh, oh, the the Savannah trip. The Savannah trip, yeah, that was Savannah, it. Savannah, Georgia. I think that may have been your first time for a brown headed nuthatch. Uh, that could have yeah. been. I was pretty excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Love they're kind of neat guys. Yeah, they're kind of neat in the bird world in, in, in the role that. Uh, you know, they get on the job training. Uh, some previous nestlings will come back and help with a future brood, help the parents with a future brood yeah. and help raise them. So that's that's kind of a, a neat role, a father yeah. in training, if you will. Not many birds do that. So, yeah, go back and listen to that that episode that, that uh, Brian was talking about. There was a lot of nice details and a lot of fun information about bird dads. Indeed. But beyond all the cool things dads do, for their young. The one of the neat things is singing. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> <laughs> la, 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 la. <laughs> you know, bird song in the bird world is extremely important. Probably way more important than you know, we would normally consider. You just think, oh, birds are singing. It's a happy day. Mr. Bluebird's mm-hmm, on my mm-hmm, shoulder. Mm-hmm. But no, for birds... No. <laughs> It's like put up the dukes, dude. Or, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's more like cage fighting for birds. Yeah. But they're not doing yeah. it physically, they're doing it vocally. Yeah. Yeah. Think you're gonna mess with me? Listen to this. Oh! That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so folks, you're not walking along with Brian and I, which is probably a good chance at this point. Basically one of the <laughs> things with bird song does for birds when they're singing a song is it basically a uh, is a defense of their territory they establish their territory by and defend their territory by singing the song and it's basically a warning to any other bird of the same species to stay the heck out of my territory and don't you dare come in because this is my territory and you you know it because I'm singing so loud and I'm I'm rough and I'm tough and I'm a master at my song which is weird but that's exactly what it is mm-hmm. the better they sing the louder they sing the more continuous they sing the more threatening they would be to any intruder trying to come into their territory and then they sometimes kind of adapt that song to instead of being a defensive warning to be a wonderful attraction to try to lure in closer a female partner that they want to uh raise the next brood with so it's uh it's very complex that the bird world and the singing in the bird world is very very complex you know you're talking about 
being that protector, I'm protecting this territory, and you know, I'm always reminded of the yellow-headed blackbird's call. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you Don't dare! You dare. <laughs> such you a would th- you would think we a- just planned that, but we didn't. This is getting scary. This is getting scary. I think we've worked together a while. <laughs> But it is cool. It's, it's this raspy, yeah, aggressive, yeah. three-note, don't you dare. Yeah. Uh, it's it's so cool. But yet, the lady yellow-headed blackbirds find that rather attractive. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's amazing how far that, you know, that, that's that's one of those calls, uh, one of those songs, whatever you want to call it. And we'll talk about that. What's the difference between a song and a call in just a second? But that is one of those, when you're out birding and you're looking for different things, Mm-hmm. That is one of those those calls, you will, if you will, that just stands out. Yeah. And it, the the distance it covers, you know, it can be all the way across a big wetland, and and when you finally get your binoculars on the bird, it's this little teeny thing because it's so <laughs> far away, and yet the song covers that much distance and is mm-hmm. so recognizable that it just immediately you just trigger on it immediately. It's so yeah. unique. Yeah, it's, it's pretty yeah. cool. So, song and a call. <clears throat> difference between a song and a call. And, you, and I think, you know, for a lot of folks, it's like, is there a difference? What's the song and what's a call? So, yeah, it's a nice nuance thing to start to learn about. Because uh, birds sing, and that's pretty apparent when you hear, like, a good flutey or whistly or sing-songy, whatever's going on. Uh, and usually that's pretty obvious that that's a song. But then calls, a lot of times, could be more single note or maybe a double, triple note. Um, And Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. call is more about back and forth. It's more about a communication with somebody you're already connected with. Maybe it's, yeah, that that pair bond you have, males and females do that back and forth with each other. It's kind of like just kind of a... Yeah, uh, keep it in touch. Just kind of keep it in touch. Yeah. 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 So yeah, a song's a little more structured. Typically, mm-hmm. it's 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 uh, typically more notes kind of strung together in some type of a rhythmic uh, uh, vocalization, if you will. And and the calls are typically just a note or two or three notes, that type of thing. And again, like you're saying, it's it's to keep in communication with youngsters and your your mate, and are maybe to. You know, sometimes you'll see it used in defense. You know, mm-hmm. when when a, when a bird's really threatened and wanting to push away another bird that's threatening their territory, then they they will switch sometimes to a really aggressive call note to try to scare them away. So, yeah. and sometimes it could be what we would perceive as the same note, but it's mm-hmm. like you said, it's it's said more aggressively. Yeah, mm. it's nuanced. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> nuanced. It's fun though. It is fun, and that's that's I guess that's the. Uh, the whole thing uh, that Brian and I, you know, when we talk about these things, to watch birds and try to learn those nuances and really to really start learning and watching and putting the vocalizations to the birds. Like in my backyard, Carolina Wren. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh, this bird has so loud of a voice. It's a little wren, you know. <laughs> this thing's, what, four inches maybe? Uh, probably not even that. Probably three inches. I'd have to go look and see exactly how long it is. But, lot, you know, a, not, lot, a lot of tail there, you know, yeah, body-wise. Yeah, is. yeah. yeah. 
but you know, it's this little bird and it has this huge booming vocal voice, but then it also has dozens and dozens of different notes and calls and nuances mm-hmm. to its song. And you know, it's it's it is one of those things when you're learning your bird song, it takes a while for some of these birds because they have so many different songs, calls, nuances of both that if you if you don't understand that you know if you listen to the to the tapes or the the cds or whatever you listen to your bird yeah, you're calls dating on your yourself apps. right there right? i know i'm listening sorry to the cassette tapes and- <laughs> hey sonny <laughs> <laughs> but but the bottom line is you know these uh, uh calls if you listen on the things that you can learn from whether it's a, an app or whatever they just have a few and you think mm-hmm. oh that's it i know that bird now not so much, Sonny. You know, there's a lot of nuances to it. But well, you wild. talk a lot of, we, you bring up, um, you know, listening back in the day, if you, there are a number of birds that would do a trill call. And there are only a handful that are on mm-hmm. some of those, you know, back, back in the the cassettes or the CDs. And mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. apps are a lot easier now, but um, I love that they, like the Peterson CD, yeah. Guide to Bird Sounds, has breaks it down into sections and there's a trilling call yeah and different birds that will do that trill and they're all sound similar until you get in the field and you saw oh, i learned those four on the cd yeah, and then in the yeah field, i got these i got this it's one of those four right <laughs> that's right until <laughs> you find out there's like eight more that also do a similar <laughs> trill <laughs> but that's really cool how Birds have different kinds of ways of doing those calls. And for some of them, that trill is their song. And um, and for others, that trill is their call uh, and contact back and forth. Um, yeah. Really cool. But, you know, maybe that next step is, okay, so you, you learn all these songs, but where do you learn them from? You learn them from dad, right? Yeah, if you're a bird. <laughs> My dad didn't teach me any bird song, but what? <laughs> My dad helped teach me to whistle. <laughs> no bird yeah, abso- songs, huh? Absolutely no. My dad was not a birder. He was he he was a, a businessman. You know, I think maybe that's part of why I would do what I do because I, I I wanted to not be a businessman to be honest mm-hmm. with you. So yeah, but no, no when you're a bird. Dad plays a huge role because one of the cool things to know about birdsong is that most of our, we call, you know, we, a songbird. Well, how does a songbird different from a bird of prey, you know, or a shorebird or a waterfowl, you know, that aren't quote unquote songbirds? And one of the things is songbirds, literally, they're not instinctual singers. All the other non-songbirds are instinctual singers. It is basically vocalizations that are instinctual with the non-songbirds. Songbirds have to learn the songs. They learn and that begins to sing. in yeah. yeah. It, 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 they start learning that in the nest, and they learn that in the nest initially from dad. And they've actually shown where, say, you know, a bird that's taken out of the nest, you know, whether it was, you know, abandoned or fell out of the nest and somebody, you know, and they were raised in captivity without the influence of dad and hearing mm-hmm. the bird songs, they never master the song in their entire life because it's that important early on for them to learn the bird song from dad. Isn't that so cool? 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they're listening to Dad to learn that song. But I know from some other research, too, that they're also listening to the others that are out there. So if it's a song sparrow. Exactly, exactly. They're they're learning from Dad, but then they're also listening. What are all the other song sparrows saying? Exactly. And they're internalizing, and basically, here's the main song to sing. But now I'm picking up different pieces and parts that I can then, as I start to grow up and I'm going to create my own pattern, my own melody with all these different pieces. And maybe I'll get good enough and it'll be, that'll be, that'll be good enough. I'm really going to stand out to all the ladies and be able to attract a mate next summer, next spring. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and that's the thing when, again, one of the little nuances as a birder who does a lot of the ID of the birds in the field by sound, by listening mm-hmm. for the song and the calls. It gets a little challenging as we get into the back half of the nesting season and when there's a lot of young fledglings out because they haven't mastered. They're, they're vocalizing. Mm-hmm. They've got the sound, the song in their head, if you will, or the songs, uh, but they have to practice. They literally have to practice to master it. And so they're out there they're off key or the pacing's wrong or whatever it might be. <laughs> and you're as a birder, you're trying to listen for this certain, you know, pacing and call. And it's like, what the heck is that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, and every other bird out there that's doing the same thing. What day hey, junior, what the heck is that? <laughs> right. <laughs> practice, practice, practice. Yeah. Just like any, any professional. And that's what those little ones are doing. Is there a Carnegie Hall for uh, birds? <laughs> <laughs> the old joke. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. Let's transition over to, there are some really interesting articles that we've run across that talk a little bit more about that singing and some of the nuances to singing. Well, Brian, one of the things that we uh, had talked about uh, sharing and some really cool new research that's gone on during the, the pandemic when, you know, things shut down and cities got quiet, man, the, the ornithologists and biologists got busy. They saw it as a golden opportunity to do some research on mm-hmm. exactly what we're talking about, bird songs and bird calls and, and uh, you know, how the birds were impacted by the the, the you know, reduced amount of noise pollution that was going on. It's fascinating stuff. Oh, yeah. There's been different noise pollution studies done over the years, and we've become very cognizant of that, especially in cities. But, man, the opportunity with the pandemic and everyone sequestering, everyone hiding in their own homes, cities got quieter. And the biologists, like you said, were like, golden opportunity. Um, really fascinating to see, you know, I mentioned song sparrows earlier. Song sparrows in cities versus out in rural areas, actually they found during the pandemic sang 37% quieter in the cities. They had new characteristics. Uh, they had different frequency changes. So basically it got quieter around them so they could really be more nuanced and really play around with their song and try to be more attractive 
to the females and 37% quieter, yeah. but also yeah. changing things around. That's absolutely amazing. Well, and that, what, what it did too is this is where you got to love science and experimentation. It, this validates pr- many, many previous studies that show because of the increased noise pollution that goes on in our cities and communities, that bird songs in general have had to increase. Mm-hmm. They were louder than historically they had been, et cetera, et cetera. Now, this validated that when the noise went away, their normal level that they would normally have sang at dropped back down that 37% to that level that they would normally be at. Well, how cool is that? Yeah. To, to validate that those two sets of uh, research you know studies yeah very very cool yeah. beyond cities and noise pollution uh, University of Manitoba biologists there decided hey let's find out what happens in areas like at airports airports are basically big pasture lands big grasslands and yeah. what happens with birds there and with less activity of all of the airplanes, they found that birds, and I love this, made on-the-fly decisions. Don't <laughs> <laughs> uh, That they actually, there were more birds nesting in those grasslands at airports with less activity. So you had less mm-hmm. noise pollution, but you also had yeah. less physical activity. Yeah. Uh, and so the birds actually responded, and t- how amazing to respond, like almost immediately. Literally, uh, as you said, on the fly. You know, they, yeah. <laughs> they, they responded to environmental conditions and and utilized a, a new you know opening a new niche if you will yeah. that they could they could go, you know go nest in yeah that's very i mean i love these types of studies and i love the fact that these biologists and ornithologists jumped on this so quickly and saw the opportunity to to come up with a whole different way of looking at this aspect of noise pollution and bird nesting and bird nesting success rates and mm-hmm. communication between birds with song and all and take take this whole other piece of, of uh, data, if you will, and, and validate and, and expand our knowledge of what's going on with the birds. How cool is that? Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Oh, definitely. You know, and talking about a note about birdsong, um, I think definitely would be apropos to talk about the nuances of what birds hear in a bird song. Because <laughs> apparently we don't hear yeah. as much as the birds hear New. from each other New. <laughs> uh, and yeah look at the swamp sparrow and some some biologists decided hey you know let's take a look at the swamp sparrow and is there a difference between younger swamp sparrows and older swamp sparrows and i think that the uh what they found actually surprised us because yeah. you would think the older yeah i, I got that. it down i know what i'm yeah. doing i'm gonna be way better yeah. than you yeah. a two-year-old I'm versus a 10 year old that's right <laughs> But uh, it's really difficult to tell the difference just if a person's standing there. And can you tell a younger Swamp Spro singing versus an older? Uh, but if you pay attention to what's called a spectrogram, is a little graph of this, the audio. They were able to tell and did a little, dis, did a little experiment that a two-year-old Swamp Spro, now mind, they had to learn the song, learn it from dad, learn it from the other male Swamp Sparrows singing. Mm-hmm. The Swamp Sparrows actually sing the same song as they've always sung in an area they all learn the same song and they all repeat it um and so if everyone's singing the same song how do i decide if i'm a female who's going to be better who's got the better voice who's got the stamina who's got the Mm -hmm. and they found that the two-year-old birds actually were crisper 
cleaner, stronger, just had a better volume. Whereas the 10 year old birds. <laughs> 10 year old bird's an old bird, though. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? A songbird at 10 years sing old. Here. <laughs> <laughs> they get a little bit more raspy, just like humans as you get older. They get a little more raspy, maybe a little slower, maybe lose a couple yeah. nuanced bits that we as humans don't hear, but the birds heard it. And man, the females and, and even the other males would be more aggressive towards that two year old bird. Yeah. How amazing is that? Well, that's because they're the top dog competition now. You know, they're, they're <laughs> right. the ones that are you know ready to defend the territory and, and more attractive to the females. But I actually really would like to know. I, I need to go into that study and look at it more in detail because I wanted to know what the rest of the age gradient was. I mean, surely they didn't just compare ten year old. I mean, ten year old swamp sparrow is an old swamp sparrow. Right. That, that's that's getting near a record, <laughs> I would think. So I still to compare a 10-year-old with a 2-year-old, eh, you know, maybe apples to oranges a little bit. I'm, but I'm sure I'm sure they did, you know, multiple age ranges and did the comparison and that type of thing. But, yeah, very cool. And, and you know, it's, it's, it, I'm sure we've talked about it a number of times over the year about the, the, the whole concept of the dawn song. And, and, again, this time of year, folks, if you can drag yourself out of bed first thing in the morning, and get outside and listen to the cacophony mm-hmm. of all these birds that are still singing. Uh, it is it is that whole thing. The dawn song is really kind of a, 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 a audition by male birds uh, to audition before the females, mm-hmm. and because it's it's the bottom line is this is a bird that has not eaten in, since the night before, you know, the afternoon before, or early evening before. So it's fasted all night. You know, it has no fresh energy reserves. It, uh, it it is on territory. So first thing in the morning, it starts singing the song and like you know uh, song sparrows. I mean these these things will do unbelievable numbers. I think I saw somewhere with like twenty eight hundred songs in one day uh, when they're on territory. They'll sing the same song twenty eight hundred times, uh, which is an amazing feat. Yeah, twenty three. Twenty three. Okay, twenty three hundred times. Uh, but the bottom the, the bottom line is, you know, if I'm a female, again, it's that quality of the song. It's being repeated over and over and over and over. And how well is that? How well is that dude hitting the mark? You know, is mm-hmm. he hitting every note every time just perfectly? And uh, and and how many? You know, is it is it just going on and on and on and on and on and on? Shows me I've got a very healthy bird that has a lot mm-hmm. of stamina to be doing that. Because singing's energetic. It takes a lot of energy for them to do that. Uh, so it, it really does show a female bird that, eh, that dude over there, he's, he's got to have a lot of stamina and he must be pretty healthy. And obviously he's defending a good territory with lots of food resources. I mean, I'm sure they're not consciously thinking this, it's just instinctual, yeah, but who knows, but you know, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but Hey, cool. that's, that's how they're picking to know, Hey, you're going to help me raise a good, strong family. And I'm going to have young that head off into the world and keep us going right yeah well brian one of the things that i don't know we have the time to go into in great detail but you were talking about the the swamp sparrow and the trill and the, the, the what what we can hear compared to what the other birds can hear mm-hmm. some of the cool things i've seen you know the the wood thrush you know birds have a syrinx it's it's a, it's like our larynx it's a syrinx and it's 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 like if we had two larynxes we we could make two sounds at the exact same time. And be and different be, sounds. Yeah, and they can be totally different sounds. They can be totally different uh, frequencies and pacing, speeds. And, you know, 
you, you talked about us not being able to hear things. One of the cool things, again, like a wood thrush, mm-hmm. I've heard recordings of wood thrush and Viri's, another great thrush, slowed down. Mm-hmm. Where you actually can start separating out the two different notes from mm-hmm. the two different sides of the Cyrix. Cyrix. And, you know, that's a way cool to really understand maybe that's what the birds can hear and we can't without help. Right. It, it helps understand that concept that we're kind of clueless to some of the sounds that these birds are actually making. John, I'm glad you bring that up because actually there are two really good examples of that as well that uh, we might be able to put in the show notes to show the spectrogram of like a chickadee when it does its two note call, which is really more of a three note call if you slow it down. If you look at the spectrogram, you can see it. Some people say that... Um, the the mnemonic to it is they, they say hey sweetie <laughs> hey sweetie and it's it when you see the spectrogram it looks like a three note call and if you slow it down you can hear it go d d d versus usually out in the field it's more of like d d yeah but to, that nuance I think that's a really really good example yeah um, and then one other example that I ran across uh, in the east. Uh, we have uh, one of those migrants uh, called the Henslow's Sparrow. And their call is almost like a, some some say it's almost like a little sneeze or a hiccup. Yeah, it's so hiccup, fast yeah. and it's just like, Tip. but if you slow it down, there are multiple notes in there. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think there's, I think there's like 10 different notes that happen in that fraction of a second just absolutely phenomenal what this this the syrinx can do what these birds can do and what they hear yeah so just amazing yeah dude honestly as you can tell we can we can talk <laughs> about this stuff all day long it is so fascinating it really truly is and and i think you know one of the things with brian and i we have worked together for a long time and we've birded together a lot and we do most of our bird initial id by sound and it's taken us a lot of years to get to the level that we are able to do that and just highly encourage everybody to to try to learn more bird sound as a matter of fact our next show Hmm. we're gonna take a transition and talk about learning bird calls and how you can train yourself to identify different bird calls and some of the resources that are available to you to help learn about bird calls and, and train yourself. So we'll, we'll look at it from the other side as to Indeed. how bird calls can help us ID birds when we're out in the field. So that'll be very cool. But before we head off, Brian, mm-hmm. you made a comment early on the introduction about Something about playing bird calls and, and what really happens when you try to attract a bird with a bird call? Yeah, John, you're just trying to talk birdie to me, aren't you? <laughs> Cheap shot. <laughs> so I was uh, recently having a conversation with someone, and this is actually something that happens quite a bit. And uh, we have all these wonderful apps now that you can play bird calls. And you, you know, if you, you realize, oh, I hear a bird over here and I think it's this. And you're, you, you can pull up your app and you're listening to the bird calls. And I was talking to someone. They said, oh, I identified. Well, this bird was, was talking and they were singing. And I really wanted to draw him into my yard so I could see him closer. Well, I kept playing the, the bird call. I'd play it. It'd respond. And then I'd play it and it would respond. But it never came closer. And I say, well, you need to learn to talk bird. 
And they're like, what do you mean I need to learn to talk, Bird? That's what I was doing, right? Said, no, 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 no. You are playing the same call that that bird is, is saying. But why does it, why does it sing? And just like everything we talked about today, they sing to establish territory, mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. keep competitors out of their territory. And if you are more adamant and you're louder and more yeah. repetitive, yeah. you win. <laughs> you're not drawing that bird in. You're chasing it away. Think about how a bird is and, thinking and, and talking. Yeah. And they're and like, tip, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, typically when people do play the calls, they play them really loud. And it's mm -hmm. like to the other bird that's out there singing away, it's like, oh, my gosh, this is the biggest, toughest, meanest bird of all times <laughs> right. over there. I'm not going anywhere close to them. <laughs> so and we do want to we do want to let people know, too, that, you know, one of the things we don't encourage is is calling birds in with bird songs, especially during the nesting season, mm -hmm. you know, during the breeding season. For this very reason, we don't want to have you know, walk out on our backyard and I've got song sparrows nesting around my yard and play a song sparrow call really, really loud. And all these song sparrows are going, oh, man, I'm getting out of here. There's a big bad dude over there and I'm, I'm abandoning ship. I don't want to do anything that might spook a, a territorial male and, and nesting pair off the nest. Appreciate everyone joining us for a note about bird song. So please rate and review us. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Absolutely. So until our next visit, when we're going to learning to speak bird and birding by ear and help you learn how to do that. Uh, but until then, Brian and I are going to continue as always to let nature be our guide. So please take care, be safe, and keep those feeders clean. Thanks for joining us, everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, for show notes, or to find the Wild Birds Unlimited store nearest you, visit wbu.com slash podcast. And we'd really appreciate you telling your friends about Nature Centered. Until next time, be sure to find a moment every day just to relax and enjoy the birds.